How are we doing this morning? All right. Hey, glad you're here. Glad you're here. Um, one, I need to welcome some people really quick. Uh, good morning to our online community. We gl- we're so glad you guys are with us. There's people all over the world watching and literally people down the street watching right now. So thank you for being with us. I meet people all the time, like in town. They're like, oh my gosh, I've been watching online for the last eight months or whatever. And then I'll, I'll quiz them. What I preach on last. No, I don't do that. Um, but no, it's awesome to have our online community. Good morning to our uh, Old Town campus, to Pastor Dwayne and crew there. Good morning to Larry Street. What's up to you guys? Good morning in Marin County, County Nevada, California. Good morning to that campus there too. We're stoked you guys are with us. And um, you know, God has just been on the move here at Clovis Hills. So, I mean, God has always been using the people of this church in mighty ways, but just God has been doing something since January. We started our Raise the Life campaign in January. And I don't know if you realize, um, if, you, if you look on the walls of this sanctuary, it, it says since January, we've seen 648 decisions for Christ and 197 baptisms. That's an amazing number. Um, that's not just at this campus. This is all our campuses and the churches that we're planting as well, too. And you might even notice um, the gentleman that, that sang the second song up here, Sammy. He burned the room down, didn't he, right? Yeah. Sammy is from uh, South Africa. Actually, he's from Congo via South Africa. Oh, he's right there. There he is. And listen, make sure you give him some love after church today. He is helping one of our church plants called the Garage Church, and him and his wife are, are ministering there, and um, we're just very excited that, that God has called them to, to this place and um, excited to partner with them. So it's, it's good stuff. I got to tell you, though, um, just in, in crazy ways God works. Even on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, um, I woke up and I, I looked at my calendar, and I saw that I was preaching Wednesday night at the high school group. I was like, oh no, <laughs> I hadn't thought of anything, you know? And here's the thing, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, so I, I you know, I, I know youth ministry, and I know the difference between high school ministry and uh, junior high ministry. Because in junior high ministry, like when you're in junior high, you're still like figuring yourself out, and you're like, you, the thought you have is like, oh my gosh, does the youth pastor like me? I hope he likes me. I, you know, but by the time you get to high school, you guys are like, do I like the pastor? <laughs> I don't know. Humor me. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I just got up and, 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 and preached a message, and uh, we called people to believe in Jesus, and I, I was pretty sure I was going to get a nothing burger that night. It was one of those sermons. I was like, oh, they're not listening. And um, the coolest thing is uh, I finished preaching. We prayed, and uh, Daniel Aiello got up and said, hey, if you, accept, if you prayed that prayer, we want you to come up here right now and sign your name on, the, on this wall they have. And the coolest thing happened, these four football players, freshman football players, all stood up together and came forward and accepted Jesus Wednesday night. It's a beautiful thing. And what I know is in this church, there's a lot of, lot of you that have made kind of that, that, those new steps in your faith. And uh, we have a class on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock in uh, room, I think it's room 200, and it's called a next steps class. It goes on all the time. And that could really help you take your next steps in your faith. But another way 
that you take that next big step in your faith is after you've said yes to Jesus, um, the Bible tells us time and time again, the next thing you do is you get in the water of baptism, right? That's why we, we have uh, been promoting baptism so much here lately. Next week, we're gonna have a huge baptism service. You don't wanna miss it. It gets wild. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Pentecost Sunday. And I would encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, Go talk to the people in the Connect Center after church today and say, hey, I want some information on baptism. Here's the other thing I'm going to challenge you to do. Maybe you chicken out or you forget. I'll, ju- I'll get in the baptismal in my clothes, if you will. We'll do it. I'm Sean the Baptist. We'll get after it. It doesn't matter. Okay? So, like, next week, it's going to be a blast. You want to be here. And our creative team, uh, I give them one little idea, and they just go crazy, and they run with it. So they've made a baptismal instructional video so you could watch. So fix your eyes on the screen. So it's your first time baptizing. Welcome. Baptizing is a wonderful thing to do. It can signal a whole new life as a Christian. But there are certainly some does and doesn'ts if you're an inexperienced dunker. First, we've all heard the phrase, under longer makes them stronger. Friends, that's just not true. Ask our former pianist, Fanny McFadden. Rest in peace. Second, when you're dunking, don't fall in love. She may be the face I can't forget. The trace of pleasure or regret. Maybe my treasure or the price I have to pay. She may be the song the summer sings Maybe the chill the autumn brings Maybe a hundred different things within the Don't forget how a bath made David stumble. Next, don't expect to see a change right away. You may aspire to be like old Johnny Baptist, but not everyone gets it on their first... Oh, oh. I stand corrected, son. And last but not least, don't go under with them. I know you're excited, but double baptizing won't make up for the fact that you didn't pay attention when Sean was talking about how he could have been switchfoot. Well, shoot, I hope you enjoyed this lesson. If that doesn't make you clap, maybe I should mention our next video, Given 101. Time to give, folks. Are, are you clapping? Works every time Scott needs a clap. Oh, those guys, when he's carrying the wood, he just took it so much further. It was awesome. And the voice, right? It's like, it's like Ned Flanders meets Harry Carey. Hi, if I was a hot dog, would you eat me? Right? It's awesome. So anyways, guys, we um, sign up for baptism. Get baptized next week. It is going to be an incredible experience for you. You do not want to miss that Sunday. It's going to be excellent. So today... Um, I'm going to interview a special guest. This is a lot of fun. Last night, we partnered with the Fresno Rescue Mission. Their largest fundraiser of the year is called Night at the Mission. And um, it was here at Clovis Hills, and we packed this place out. And a good friend came to do a concert. If you don't know who Jordan Feliz is, Jordan Feliz um, is a Dove Award-winning artist. Um, he's, he lives in Nashville. If you don't know what the Dove Award is, it's basically the Grammys for Christian music. He's had multiple number one hits. Um, he's incredibly well-known in that genre. As a, as a matter of fact, uh, Sammy 
from South Africa, his child, that's his favorite artist. So that's how big Jordan Feliz is. Jordan actually served on our worship team here for a time before he moved to uh, Nashville. And he's just always been a friend of the church and gracious. So I would love it if you would give a warm Clovis Hills welcome for Mr. Jordan Feliz. Nice. What's up? How's it going, y'all? Y'all, you got Nashville in you now, Just right? a little. <laughs> Just. Honestly, everybody's always super confused because I'm like, what's up, dude? And I'm like, hey, y'all, how you doing? You know, everybody's like, what are you? Like, yeah, you what's going on? You got to put the California, the I know. Nashville hat on. I know, dude. All that. It's crazy. So, man, um, last night... Incredible show. It was just, just a blast. Packed out. Dude, thank you, man. It was it, fun. We had a blast. It, it, was, it was good. And um, it's been so fun to watch your career from just being a Clovis kid to seeing how God is really taking you to places I'm sure you probably never imagined, to be honest. Yeah, man. You know, it's, um, it's been a very uh, insane journey. Um, I think just, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, it's really incredible to just come back to where you were born and raised um, and just see, um, I feel like every time I come back home, I just leave with a massive, just double dose of gratitude, um, you know, because I feel like I had had this call um, when I was younger. Um, I feel like the Lord really called me to what I'm doing now, but there's almost this this doubt that starts kind of happening because I, I felt that call when I was 15. And so when, you know, you get that call and you're kind of like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but to come back after the journey um, and come back to where you feel like God really called you to, um, it's just it's so humbling, and I just feel so much gratitude being here. And so I'm so honored to to be up here with you and just getting to uh, to just share my story and and point people to Jesus. It's it's an honor. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. So, tell us a little bit about your faith journey. I know you were raised in a Christian home and and you know grew up going to church, but but how 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 did uh, that kind of evolve into being the man of God you are today? Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was raised um, in a Christian home, and uh, I gave my life to the Lord when I was eight years old in my parents' home here in Clovis. And um, you know, uh, I felt like God just kind of like continually sprinkled little nuggets that just kind of kept me going throughout that season of life and all the way up until I felt like this this call my dad and I were driving down the 168 and I had started leading worship for my youth group when I was 13 and so um uh when I was 15 I led this kind of worship thing that was a conglomerate of youth groups um it was at North Side, which which isn't North Side anymore. Cross right? City. Okay, yeah. cool. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, not hip to the. We speak not of that church. No, yeah, I'm yeah, kidding. Okay, I'm cool. totally kidding. <laughs> Love you, Pastor David. Come on. 
But yeah, so I had just led this this worship event there. My dad and I were driving down the 168 when I was 15. And it sounds so weird. We're going under this overpass and I felt like the Lord, my dad was saying, I really think you should continue doing this. I want you to like pursue this. You know, I think the Lord has something for you in this. And at that moment, I remember I just looked outside of his window as we're driving under this overpass. I looked at a tree and I felt like the Lord just was like, boom, and was like, this is what I have for you. And at that moment, I was like, whoa, like, it's almost like, did you just talk to me? You know what I mean? It was just such a... Yeah, or, yeah. did you talk or was that bad sushi? Like, yeah, what's going yeah, on, right? Exactly. Um, and then he just continually opened doors in my life that led me to this place. And so then when I was 17, um, I kind of hit this weird spot. I, I really excelled in science in high school. And, um, and so, I mean, I, I always, I always tell people, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was eight. And I don't really know if as an eight-year-old, if I actually understood what a relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth and the universe actually looked like. So when I started excelling into science, I I kind of felt like, um, you know, what I was being taught in my advanced placement biology book and then what I was hearing on Sunday mornings, they kind of just, they didn't go together. And so I, uh, one day I, I walked in to my house and I I looked at my mom and my dad and I I was like, Hey, I'm just struggling because this says this. And then Sunday I'm, I'm being told this and I just, I'm confused. And, um, my mom, I'm an only child. And so my parents and I are super close. And so my mom just looked at me with a challenge and she goes, you know, I'm so proud of you for, for, you know, being good in school and doing all this stuff. But I, I, I feel like if you put one third of the effort that you're reading into your biology book into the Bible, you could answer that question. And uh, I was like, whoa. All right. So that year I really dug in um, and I just, you know, I feel like God put so many um, incredible youth pastors in my life that year that answered all my questions, um, really led me super well. Um, and, uh, pup, I went to a church called North Park Community Church down the road. And, uh, my, my youth pastor pup really spoke over me. Um, and my parents were there to champion everything. And, and that was the year, um, I actually rededicated my life to Christ that year up at Hume Lake. And, uh, ever since then, I've just been chasing the heart of Jesus. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so from that time on, right. Yeah. Who've been some like spiritual influencers in your life? Like a great example is like, uh, pastor Tim Keller died. Yes. Yep. And, like, for me, that was, like, one of my pastors. I was a guy totally. I always looked up to. Like, yeah. there have been some people that have kind of led you along the way since then. Yeah. So, so I can't remember what year this was, um, but it's going to date me a little bit. But Billy Graham came through with the Billy Graham Crusade and uh, DC Talk at Fresno State. Um, and I was there. And I remember watching that whole thing happen. And I remember seeing thousands of people 
hit the lawn and accept Jesus that, that day, that evening. And I remember feeling like I felt fulfilled in that moment. And I wasn't even giving my life to Christ that night. I just felt, felt so fulfilled watching people accept the Lord and watch their whole life change that day. Um, and so I think in my mind, that day changed so much for me. So I would say Billy Graham was a huge impact on me because I think he really solidified for me in my heart that that was something I wanted to be a part of. And so I feel so privileged that I get to be a part of a small shift in people's lives every day by just sharing um, what I feel like the Lord is calling me into, whether it's through song or whether it's something I'm saying, I'm saying on stage. Um, and then another one, um, you, none of you probably know who he is, but his name is Brad Fogarty, but you probably know um, a band called Big Daddy Weave. Um, and so Brad Fogarty was Big Daddy Weave's tour manager, and he was also their tour pastor for about eight years. And Big Daddy Weave was my first tour ever. And um, man, Brad just spoke so much life over me. Um, and, you know, without going into the nitty gritty too much, it's, you know, Christian music is a very interesting thing um, because, you know, there's so much business in what we do. There's a lot of business, a lot of kind of like this greedy and also very like not good. <laughs> the Christian music industrial complex. Yes, exactly. Right? It's and, and behind, cranking out Jesus. And and on top of it there's like the ministry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and behind every ministry there's this thing. You know, even within the the church. Like there's there's we there finances and business it, it keeps what we do, like, it keeps us moving forward, you know, um, like, and so I just remember Brad looked at me one day, and he goes, I'm going to be in contact with you every week for the rest of your career, <laughs> and he's like, because I don't want your posture to ever change from what it is right now, and um, he has done that every week, since I've been on the road with them. And now he pastors um, a series called The Chosen. Um, and so he's ch the Chosen's pastor and day-to-day -day runner um, for that series. And um, he's an incredible human, um, and I love him very much. And also, uh, plug your ears, uh, Sean Beatty, y'all. Oh, um, this guy, man. Um, this guy has been such a huge, um, stop. <laughs> Did you grab the check? Did you grab yeah, the I check? I got you. I got you. <laughs> no, seriously, this guy, um, you know, I had been, uh, at a church, uh, here in, my hometown for forever. And, you know, I'd kind of, we, we just talked about this and this is really wise the way you just put this. And so I'm going to steal it. But Sean was saying, you know, I couldn't get past being viewed like a kid. It was like, 
there was so much belief in me at my church, you know, but there was a lack of trust in allowing me to execute what they were believing in me. And so when I showed up here and uh, the Lord led me here to start leading worship, Sean and Joseph at the time really trusted me with just starting to kind of do what I felt like God was calling me to do. And he's been that and he is shepherding this church so well. And I am so honored to still call this place home because it just really feels like that every time we come here and every time I pass through on a tour, he knows that the promoter is going to ask me like, we're going to do your hometown. Where do you want to go? And I'm going to say Clovis Hills every single time because I just love this place. I love this guy so much. I love his heart. Um, and I just love you, bro. I really do. Dang. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I want to talk about your journey to Nashville, though, because I, I remember that phase of your life, and you yeah. were trying to discern God's will, right? Yes. Taking a while to get there, and then you had to take this kind of giant step of faith to <laughs> yeah. go do that, and I love the story and j- just all that you learned in that process. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had just kind of started. So I, <laughs> we're missing a little section where I, I was in a metal band for five years. That's right. Yes. This is why <laughs> I liked him. <laughs> so, so my senior year in high school, um, the Lord had led me through all these things. And then all of a sudden, uh, this band was like, we want you to sing for us. And I was like, no way. (laughs) Um, But the Lord was like, no, I want you to do this. So I did that for five years. And then we broke up five years later. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, I got a phone call from a guy who had just gotten appointed as a worship pastor here and was like, would you come and lead worship here? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so uh, right around that time, I had just gotten married to my beautiful wife, Jamie, and she had just kind of graduated through cosmetology school and got a really good job at a salon in in downtown Clovis. And so our life had kind of started to roll in in the direction that wasn't me touring in a van and a metal band. So, uh, you know, everything kind of started progressing. and, And right around that time, I got a phone call from a buddy who I had toured with in that space. And he, he goes, man, he, he was actually working for Toby Mac at the time and uh, was working as his merch uh, director over his merch uh, for shows. And so he calls me, he goes, dude, I know this sounds so crazy, but I feel like God is calling me to manage you. And I don't even know what that means, but I feel like God is calling me into it. And he goes, if I paid for a flight, would you fly to Nashville and write some songs? And I was like, sure, that sounds awesome. So I, I flew to Nashville and um, I flew back home and I told my wife, I was like, I feel like we might need to move to Nashville. And uh, she was like, what? <laughs> um, and she's like, you know, I, I just got a job at a great salon and I feel like, you know, and I was like, well, let's just pray about it. And so um, we prayed about it for a year, and um, I had all these contacts from when I was in my metal band across the country for venues and stuff. And so I thought, 
you know, my wife and I had maybe a little under $600 to our name. And so we're like, we don't really know how we're going to move across the country, but we do feel like God's calling us. So my idea was I'm going to book a tour across the country to pay for our move. And so I booked the tour and two weeks before we're going to leave to go to Nashville, every single show gets canceled. And um, so you guys can imagine, I mean, in that moment, it's almost like I was wondering, is the Lord being like, stop, stop, (laughs) you misread this whole thing. Um, But then the more we began to pray about it, we felt like the Lord was saying, no, go. And I was like, what? (laughs) How? Like, we don't have the money to get there. But the more and more we prayed, the, the stronger the feeling we felt like the Lord was saying, no, no, go, trust me, go. And so, um, and also the, the other crazy part of this is so like we're leaving, acro- we're moving across the country. And so five days before we're moving, I get a phone call from one of my best friends who lives in Modesto. And he's like, hey, I heard you're going to move to Nashville. Could I come with you? <laughs> I was like, David, you know we're moving in five days. He goes, I'm already packed. <laughs> you're like, how much money do you have? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he was like, dude, I'll come with you, you know. And I'm like, all right. And I talked to Jamie about it. She's like, well, he'll help with rent, you know. <laughs> like, all right. And so um, so five days later, y'all, we are leaving. We have our whole life packed up in a van and a trailer. And we start driving down the 99. And I am cold calling churches in Southern California, just trying to find something that will pay a little bit of money to get us to the next place. So I get a hold of a church in San Bernardino, and uh, I'm like, do you need a worship leader tonight for anything? And they're like, actually, we do. Our worship leader has laryngitis. Would you want to come in and lead worship? I'm like, yes. So we get down to San Bernardino. I sell a couple CDs, and I get, I think they paid me $200, and that was enough money to get us to Phoenix, and my wife's family lives in Phoenix. So we get to Phoenix. We post up in Phoenix. I'm calling around Phoenix. I finally get a show in Phoenix. That gets us enough money to get to Albuquerque, and that gets us enough money to Amarillo, and, you know, we make our way, and then all of a sudden, we end up in Oklahoma City, and uh, we're there, and we're pretty much out of money. Um, I have a Capital One credit card that has a $500 spending limit. So I'm like... That's not the black card. Nope. Mm-mm. That's the red card. You're in yeah. debt. <laughs> yeah, that's the my dad co-signed for me. You know what I mean? Like, um, And so I'm like, we might be able to get back home if I max this thing out. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm just calling everybody I know, and uh, I get a hold of a guy that I knew that we used to tour together, and I'm like, do you know of any churches in this area? And um, he's like, I do. You should call this guy. So I call him. I'm like, let's go. I call him. He's like, you know what, dude? Our, our, our church actually doesn't exist anymore. We don't meet anymore. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, cool. He's like, but I've got my friend, his name's Tony Bailey. Uh, 
he's got a church that meets in his barn in his backyard. And I was like, why do you keep doing this to me? Like, what? And so um, I'm like, all right. So I call this guy, Tony Bailey, and I'm like, hey, do you need a worship leader tomorrow for your church? He's like, we actually do need a worship leader. You should come in. I can pay you $100. So I'm like, let's go. 100 bucks. We got this. So we go up. We roll up to the barn in his backyard the next morning. And uh, he goes, hey, you know, I know you got some merch and stuff, but I'm just letting you know— um, the Oklahoma City bombing marathon is today, and our whole church is basically participating in it. So I'm just kind of giving you a heads up. So I'm like, okay, cool. And so first service shows up. There, there's six people, and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> you know, we, we're doing it. Um, and then the next service, I think there was another 14, so there's like 20 people. And, um, and then there's a third service at 11, and then nobody, nobody left. It was like first service, second service, and then third service. So there's like 26 people at the third service, and I'm like, man, I wonder if like Oklahoma City, they just stay for all three services. I, I have no idea what's going on. And, um, and so we get to the end of third service, and um, we, it, the li- there's a line over to my merch table, and my wife and my buddy David and I are all standing there. And this lady walks over and she goes, you know, I was in first service and uh, I just felt like the Lord was told me to, to stay. So I stayed all the way through third service and she goes, but I'll, I'll take a CD and a shirt and you know, whatever. And then she pulls out a check and she hands me a check for a thousand dollars. And she goes, I stayed through that service because I feel like God told me that you needed this. And y'all... I was like, whoa. Uh, We're sleeping in a hotel tonight. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yes. We get a real bed. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I just am like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure? Um, and she's like, yeah, no, I just feel like the Lord told me that you needed this. And so um, the, the guy right behind her, he goes, hey, I, I just heard her story. And what's crazy is, is I felt the same thing. And he hands me a check for $1,000. And so I'm sitting there and like, I'm like welling up just with, t- I'm like, oh my gosh. And so then we, you know, we sell a little bit more merch. And then another guy at the very end of the line, he hands me a check for $500. And he goes, man, like I stayed through the services. I felt like you needed this. And so we sold over $3,000 worth of merch to 26 people at a church in a barn in Oklahoma City, y'all. And, and I, 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 was, I was so shook. And, you know, we finally, we make our way to the, there's this thing called RIFO in the touring community for like independent bands. And it's basically safe homes. It's families that have been vetted that'll open up their house to traveling musicians that are doing ministry work and stuff. And so we end up at this RIFO home in Little Rock. And, um, you know, I was sitting there with my wife and uh, this family and David, and we're talking about all this stuff. And, um, you know, and their their names are Brian and Deb. And so, you know, we got in super late, and then we had to leave really early to try to make it to Nashville by that the end of that day. And so... Uh, 
the next morning we wake up and they give us five hundred dollars. Um, and I remember just we pulled into Nashville, and I looked at my wife and I looked at David. I was like, I planned a tour out here, and that was just supposed to get us here. And I followed. We followed the Lord, and. We, even when things were looking like, what are we doing? <laughs> but we followed, and God made it so that not only did we get here, but we were able to get into a townhouse and put our first and last month's rent down, and we were able to have enough money to cover our expenses for like eight weeks so that we could find jobs and be comfortable. And I was just like, it was in that moment I just felt like, I realized, man, the Lord taught me the most valuable lesson during that season. Because, y'all, we can try so hard in our lives, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our, our children, our families, whatever, whatever it is. We can try and strive so hard to mold things the way that we think they should look. And the way that we, we are in control, we are so obsessed with being, having our hands on the steering wheel, having our hands in everything that we do. But man, I learned in that trip that the moment I take my hands off is when you start to see the world in a totally different light. Because the Lord will literally just invade that space, that trust, and that true faith in him. Man, and he will just show off, y'all. He'll show up. I mean, he did in my life. And it's just so crazy. Um, and, you know, the craziest part is, you know, we, we followed this call and um, we, we got to Nashville. And uh, we were all just roasted. You know, we, we had traveled across the country. It was like a 16-day trip, you know. And... Um, <laughs> We get there, and I'm like, David, we have to unpack this circus that is happening in the van right now. We had, my wife had a cat at the time. We had a dog in there. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, we've got all of our belongings. And I'm like, we deserve Starbucks. Let's go get a Starbucks. And um, as you're pulling in, it's like, doo, 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 yeah. you know, here come the Felices. Yes, bro, literally. And so um, we, we go to Starbucks. Uh, in uh, the little town that we were living right outside of called Franklin. And um, we grab our Starbucks and we're walking across Main Street. And I hear this lady go, you guys look like you're in a band. What band are you in? <laughs> and I'm pretty shy with stuff like that. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and my buddy David is like the polar opposite. He's like, dude, you got to check him out. He's so good, blah, blah. Just like and, everyone in Nashville, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Literally. Everyone is good in, there. Everybody's yeah. insane. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, David, please be quiet. Please be quiet. Um, but she goes, well, what, what do you do? And I was like, well, we just got here like five hours ago. Um, and I uh, feel like the Lord called me here to do Christian music. And she goes, oh, that's crazy. My husband and I were in a band called FFH. And I was like, oh my gosh, my mom and dad have like every one of your CDs. <laughs> like I grew up in the 90s just listening to you. Like, oh my gosh. And she goes, do you have a demo? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I have one. <laughs> and she goes, well, email it to me. 
And I was like, okay. And so that night, I emailed her my demo. And the next day, she emailed the demo that I sent her to every major Christian record label in town. And so in three days, I had every record label in Nashville just like, hey, we want to have meetings. And um, again, y'all, this is just a testament of just following the path that Lord that the Lord has you on. He has an assignment for each one of you. And uh, I'll close with this. There are so many people that always talk about staying in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And I got told this by a buddy of mine. He said, if anybody is telling you to stay in your lane in your life, you need to rip them out of your life like a weed. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty harsh. But he said, and the reason why is because if you are in a lane, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're driving. And he said, if you're driving your life, you shouldn't be. Because he should be driving your life. And he said, and the thing is, the secret of this is that you're not driving anywhere. You're in a plane. And if you're a pilot, be quiet, okay? <laughs> None of us know how to fly a plane. We're going to walk up in that cockpit, and it's going to start going bad real fast, right? And that's what happens when we put our hands on that wheel. Our job is to sit back and follow the assignment that God has written for every single one of us. We all have a specific assignment on our lives to fulfill. And it's going to, sometimes they're close to other people and you're in the same vicinity. You're, this, you're a pastor, you're an artist, you're an, you know, an engineer, you're an electrician, you're whatever you are. And there's going to be multiple of those, but they don't have your name with your assignment. So follow the assignment that God has given you and take your hands off the wheel and trust them, y'all. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jordan Felice. Oh, you got a standing for this one, man. The other service didn't give him a standing. Wow. Listen, um, one of the things he talks about, and the, the theme in that story is trust. Right? He, and when he says God was dr driving the plane or flying the plane, he, Jordan and Jamie still had to take those steps of faith. They had to, to trust. It wasn't a passive thing. And this is how the life with God works, is you have to take the steps of faith. You have to trust. And trust is a never a passive thing. See, the Bible tells us really clearly God loves you. God loves all human beings. But in Romans, it says that uh, for all have sinned. We've all disobeyed God and fallen short of the glory of God. And what that means is um, our natural bent to want to be the driver, to want to be in charge, has caused us to have a break in our relationship with God. That, that we can't have a relationship with our Creator. But it says the wages of our sin, because we've all sinned, all humans have sinned, is death. That means we've been spiritually and, and separated from God for eternity. And the creator of the universe, you can't have a relationship with him until 
the Bible says this, that you receive Jesus. See, God loved you so much and he wanted your trust so badly. He sent his only son, Jesus, who came and lived a sin-free, a perfect life in your place. And he died on the cross as a sacrifice for your sins and he rose on the third day. And the Bible says this, that, that whoever believes in that, that trusts in Jesus' perfect life over your own, shall not perish and have eternal life. See, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, But as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. See, God wants you to trust him, but he leaves that in your hands. Will you trust him or will you not? And you have to make that decision. God respects you so much that he's left that choice up to you whether you'll receive him or you won't. And I always joke, you know, that, you know, some, and it's not a joke, it's, it's, it's a reality. Sometimes people say, well, not now. Not now is no. It's, it's a nice way of saying it. That the other day, actually last night, I was asking one of my children if they wanted to come run cameras for the Jordan Feliz concert. And they went, uh, maybe. And I said, just say yes or no. Maybe means no, come on. Yeah, you're right. But why would you ever do that to the creator of the universe who loves you and has a life for you? Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And see, what you have to do though is you have to open your heart and invite him in. Jesus gave this analogy in Revelation chapter three, verse 20 the book of Revelation. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open the door, I would come in and dine with them. And, and what he was saying is, I want a relationship with you. I have a plan for your life. I want to forgive you of your sin. I want to reconnect you back to me. And I want to guide you to this life that, I, that I've set apart for you. But you have to have the courage to open the door and invite him in. And you may say, well, I don't know what that's going to look like. What is he gonna ask me to do? I, what, what am I gonna be? That's the life of faith. And see, you can set your own plans, but God's plans are always better for you. The plan God has for your life, I promise you, will always be better. But he's left you in charge of whether you will decide his way or yours. So in a moment, we're gonna pray. And maybe today, you, you don't know where you stand with God. You can... You can make that choice. You can invite Christ to be part of your life. And I'll lead us in a prayer in a moment. Some of you, maybe um, you were like Jordan at eight years old. You made that decision, um, but you didn't fully understand it. But today you just sense God saying, no, today's your day. Make this your day. You didn't realize it, but on May 20, 21st, 2023, you woke up this morning. You didn't know, but the God of the universe had his eye on you and he was drawing you to him. And he stands at the door in your heart and knocks. And I would encourage you today to make this your moment. So let's just bow our heads and let's pray. Take, take a moment with God.